so the band gets ready and the lights and the music and everything's ready and they go to call his name to come out to the stage and he wouldn't come I said okay great let's call his name again so they called his name again here we are to introduce and he didn't come out on stage so they went around the back of the stage to make sure he was okay he said I'll leave worship from back here it's not about me it's about him God's got this crazy idea that life is all about him and it is this morning and it is on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and etc it's really all about him let's pray this morning father we are smitten by you we're lovesick you really have captured our hearts and our lives. And at the very least, Father, all we can do is offer our lives back to you and say, use us for your glory. It's true, Father, we love you so much. You have done so much for us. Just setting us, up, setting us free is enough. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, say hello to two or three people around you. Let's get ready for the word. Amen. Well, good morning. I know we got a handful of people that are at the beach and at the lake. I'm a little jealous. I'm echoing up here a little bit, but um, I'm a little jealous. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to get out of the bed this morning either. Jackie shook me. She said, it's time to get up and go to church. And I said, I'm not going today. It's Labor Day weekend. I'm just going to stay here. And she said, no, you've got to go. I said, no, I'm not going. And she said, yeah, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, give me three good reasons. She said, well, reason number one, they're expecting you. Reason number two, you're almost 50 years old. And reason number three, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> so I decided I'd get up and come on. But uh, anyway, glad to be here. And, you know, last week... This whole thing here, and you know, I wasn't seeing what you were seeing, so they're making fun of me because they were saying the scriptures were up there. And um, 
But I wasn't seeing it here, and they're like, all you got to do is click on this and click on that and click, click, click. Hey, the only clicking I do is click the safety off, and that's about it. And I know how to use that, I guarantee it. So I'll let y'all click on the computer. I want to read from... uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, starting in the 18th verse. See, this is one I didn't give them, so I didn't think it was on there. See, they're always surprising me. They're always surprising me. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. That's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, it is. That's a tough one. I'm going to feed my enemies, do good for my enemies, pray for my enemies, leave room for God to do His job and be the judge because I'm not the judge and I'm not qualified to be the judge. But boy, it's, it's fun to judge, isn't it? Now, y'all know it is. It's quiet. Dang, somebody changed the sign out front. It's Presbyterian Church. I didn't even know it. <laughs> but you know, you get in, you get angry, and you get in unforgiveness, and that's what we talked about last week. That's what it's been building up actually for the last several weeks. So why are you still on it? Well, it's kind of like when we were teaching on healing, and somebody's like, "Isn't this like the sixth or seventh week you've been teaching on healing?" And I said, "Yeah. Have you not noticed? Like, we need it." So yeah, we're, we're, we're still teaching on it. Well, this right here, unforgiveness, I would say, is probably the singest, single largest open door to the devil Amen. and to the life of a Christian. Absolutely. And um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spend a little time on it. And you know, it affects the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it's the anointing that you need. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage off your life. The anointing is uh, you're anointed to accomplish things that you couldn't otherwise accomplish. I mean, and the Word of God says things are impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. Impossible is not a word that he even uh, can relate to. It's not in his dictionary. And so forgiving people that you, that's impossible, all things are possible with God. But let me tell you, it's going to be through the anointing. That's why you need to be here. That's why Satan doesn't want you here. That's why he wants you to lay in the bed because it's comfortable. And on those rainy Sunday mornings when the rain's dripping and man, it feels good just to lay in the bed, he wants you to stay there. That's why he causes strife in your house and gets you and your wife in a fuss or a fight on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning to keep you from being here. I had someone tell me they're not going to be here because they had to cut grass today. They have to cut it today. They have to because there's no other time to cut it. And they have to cut grass for someone else who's unable to cut the grass. And the belt had broke on the lawnmower yesterday. And I'm thinking, yeah, it broke yesterday. How convenient. I mean, that's how Satan works. 
It's going to make you stay home and cut that grass on Sunday morning. I mean, it, it happens. Get sick on a Sunday morning, get sick on a Saturday night. I'm saying that's, that's the work of the enemy. He doesn't want you to be here. Doesn't want you to be here. Things happen in a meeting like this when a body of believers, believers are gathered together. Um, that's why the Word of God says, forsake not the assembling together of the body of Christ. You can get saved at home. You can get healed at home. In fact, I surrendered my life to Christ in my kitchen. And I said, I'm done. I was all by myself, just me and him. I'm not saying it can't happen. But I'm just saying uh, it's a lot more likely to happen here. Because you're walking into a room, there's an anointing. This is the anointing. And so what I'm saying is unforgiveness will affect the anointing. It will affect the anointing. And so I wouldn't want anything to stand between me and what God has for me. I want it all. It's like if your father passes away and you leaves an inheritance. Do you want it all or do you just, ah, I'll just take a little bit and y'all just keep the rest. And I want it all. And guess what? There's an inheritance that belongs to us from our Heavenly Father, and I want it all. And I don't want anything to stand in the way of me getting it, especially my own stupid self. Amen. Amen. So anyway, the scripture there we read, as long as it depends on you, well, you know what? It's not always possible to live at peace with other people because you can go and apologize or ask for forgiveness or or bake them a chocolate cake. You can do a lot of things, and sometimes they're just not going to forgive you. They're just not going to like you. They're just not going to. And there's nothing you can do about it. The Word of God is telling us as long as it depends on you. In other words, you've got to do what's right, not in your head, not in your mind, not with your lips, but in your heart. The decision's got to be made in your heart. And we try to rationalize and figure out things in our head. And Do they really deserve our forgiveness? And no, they don't, but neither do you. We don't deserve the forgiveness that was provided to us by the blood of Jesus. Amen? But I, I'm talking about getting it from your head to your heart. And sometimes, I mean, I know people that have been in unforgiveness so long towards people that they don't, it don't even count anymore. In other words, a new something comes into their life to give them a reason to be mad, you know, and they talk about it. But this one thing that they've been mad at for 40 or 50 years, just like that don't even count anymore. That's just a given. So long they perhaps forgot about it. They don't even talk about it. It's just a given. That's just why I'm bitter. That's that, that bitter root in my life. Be mad at somebody that's not even alive anymore, that's been passed on. Or be mad at a parent, what they did, or what they didn't do, what they didn't do, what they should have done, and I shouldn't have to grow up like this, and it's your fault, and I'm not saying that, it, that, it's, that, it, that it's not. Um, I'm saying this right here, is you're only accountable for you. You're not accountable for them. And one day, all of us will get an opportunity. We will be held accountable. I'm not going to be held accountable for the way anybody treated me. I'll only be held accountable for how I treated them and how I treated others. Amen? Amen. And one way to kind of check yourself, really, you think about it, uh, I was thinking about it this week. So where the Fulton Post Office is, 
before that post office was there, just right, just 100 yards away, 75 yards away, was the old post office. A lot of you remember it. Some of you don't. And by that, I used to go to that post office with my grandmother all the time. She'd be going to the post office, post office box right there. Anyway, there's a little driveway that went to the top of the hill by the post office of that little house right there. And uh, we, me and Grandma were cruised up there because I had a crab apple tree. You ever had a crab apple? They're nasty. But we'd eat them. I don't know what was wrong with us. But me and her would go cruising up there and we'd get us some crab apples. You know, you'd bite the thing and just like, you know, one of those looks on your face, on your lips. Well, you know, there's some people you hear something nice about them and it's like you just took a bite out of a crab apple. I mean, really. You hear something nice about somebody and you're thinking, if you only knew what I knew. But that's how you can kind of check yourself when you hear that name mentioned or you hear something, hear something nice about them. Is it kind of like you just took a bite out of a crab apple or something like that? Hello. You know, Noah got drunk and he got naked. And uh, some of his children um, left him uncovered and they went and told and they were cursed. And his other children covered up his mistake. He shouldn't have got drunk. He shouldn't have passed out drunk and naked. But the other ones covered him and they were blessed. What I'm saying is... You, you can uncover some things about people. You can make sure that everybody knows they're not really a good person. I've done my fair share of it. Somebody say something good about somebody, I'd be like, no, nah, you don't really know them that well. Let me fill you in. <laughs> well, I didn't really realize at that time that I'm a lot like Noah's children who left him naked and uncovered it, exposed the man. Amen. And uh, we need to be like Noah's other children that covered him up and covered up his uh, shame and his nakedness. Amen. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We've got to do what's right regardless. I mean, you think about, I tell my boys, you know, at school, there's opportunity. Everybody's doing it. Well, everybody was doing it. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, some of you have kids come home. You know, they did something they shouldn't have done. Well, everybody else was doing it. Well, they might have. They would run through a fire naked. Would you do that? That was, that was supposed to be funny. I mean, would you jump off of a cliff if everybody was jumping off a cliff? I mean, just because they're doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Well, you know what? Just because everybody else is living in unforgiveness or mad about something or because they've done you wrong or whatever the reason is, uh, we're supposed to do what's right regardless. Amen? We're ambassadors for Christ. And um, we were bought with a price. And you're here for a purpose. You're not here just to get saved. If that's the case, all we'd need would be evangelists and um, what's the people that, that kill you? Um, Assassins. All we need is evangelists and assassins. Get you saved, get you killed, go on to heaven. That's not it. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. (laughs) 
We're here for a purpose. You know what the purpose is? To be salt and light. We're salt because you know why? We live in a tasteful world. And light, why? Because we live in a dark world. It's dark. If you haven't looked around lately, it is, it's very dark. It seems to be getting darker. And the enemy wants to do whatever he can do to cause division in this world. And one thing he does is get you mad, and that causes division, gets you in bitterness and unforgiveness and all this stuff and cause division. And let's just look back at the last few years. Uh, we had one president in, in, in his turn term in office, he did the best job that I've ever seen in my entire life of racially dividing the country. He did a good job. I mean, boy, he did a good one. And then we have another president that comes along, and he, I feel like he starts doing a really good job at uniting the country. And then all of a sudden now, you know, in other words, it's, it's a division, division, constantly a division to get you mad at us and us mad at you, and there's always division. That's how the enemy works. And he gets in the church. And now all of a sudden you, you have more division. You have your mask wearers and your no mask wearers. And now there's a division there, and if you don't wear a mask, you, you hate everybody, you don't love nobody, and you're going to hell and all this stuff. No, if your mask work, working, don't worry about my mask. And then we kind of get through that, and then there's the vaccination, and if you have it and you don't have it, now there's a big fuss and division about that, and people fussing and fighting all about it. Same thing goes. People that have their vac vaccination, if it works, well, why are you worried about me? Amen. Yeah. But they're mad. Mad, division, anger, unforgiveness, going around mad. You see it. It's all over the place. You can't believe anything. They lie. Lots of lies. Everybody's lying. The media, even the guys of the hurricane, 100 mile an hour wind, barely can stand up, and there's a little girl doing cartwheels behind them. I mean, <laughs> you know. It, 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 it's the truth. You don't even know what to believe. It's unbelievable. I mean, not a little girl, but some dude just walked by, and they're just like, you know, the hair's not even moving. And the weathermen, y'all saw it, and they're just like, you know, they can barely can stand up. I mean, liars. But it's plain and simple. So uh, what do you believe? I'll tell you what you can believe. There's only one thing that you can believe. That's this right here. Amen. This is it. This is it. This is not only the truth, but it's the truth. Like It's literally the truth. God's Word is the truth. It never changes. It's forever settled in heaven. It goes forth. It doesn't revoke return void. It never changes. It's never changed. It'll never change. That out there changes. They change with the wind. This doesn't change. When you don't know what the truth is, resort to this. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you want to wear a mask, I don't have nothing against you. If you want to get a vaccine, three or four of them, I don't have anything against you. Go for it. I shouldn't cause division. I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at you. You shouldn't be mad at me. We're all God's children. Amen. So, uh, but it's just having your eyes open and, and realize what's going on. It's the enemy. It, it's, not a, it's not a flesh and blood thing. It's a spiritual thing. And the church is asleep because it's, it's causing a great division amongst the body of Christ. No doubt. Amen. No doubt. So, um, let's read. Let's get into uh, Matthew, the... Uh, the 18th chapter. Peter comes up to, in the 21st verse, Peter comes up to Jesus. He says, Lord, 
how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said, no, go eight. Do it eight times. No, that's not what he said. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I know somebody in there right now is adding up. You didn't do well in school, and you're like, 70 times seven is 490. Okay, he's got a few more times. My husband's only, he's only, I've only had to forgive him 485 times, five more he's done. And you women know it's true because y'all don't forget nothing. Amen. One man, brave soul, said amen. I, I know. I see my mother. She, she remember 25 years ago what it was a sun, Sunday evening and it was 92 degrees and we were up there getting ice cream and you said this. Remember everything about it. I don't even know what she's talking about. And there's a lot of other women like that. I'm not married to a woman like that. No, I'm really not. I'm not. And if I was, I'd lie and say I'm not. So, um, because I'm smart, very wise. But he says seven. He said no, up to seventy times seven. In other words, he's saying no. There's not a limit on it. It's not seven. It's not. It's not twelve or a biblical number. It's not forty. But it's it's immeasurable. Uh, the amount of times. He says, Jesus responded, says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all they had, and that payment be made. That's rough there, isn't it? Man. That is rough. Y'all making, you're making fun of my grammar over there. Rough air, ain't it? Well, I mean, you know, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> That's rough air, ain't it? That's right. It is. They didn't file bankruptcy. They got sold. And your wife. I don't even want to try to explain to you what would happen to your wife when they sold her, what her job would be. It'd be bad. And your kids, your boys, perhaps your daughter, and she's going to be doing the same thing your wife is. Bad, real bad. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. I thought about doing that a few times myself. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay back the debt. So when his fellow servant saw that he had, all, you know, what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity, compassion, forgiveness for you? 
And his master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And if you're a note taker, you need to underline right there, torturers. In fact, if you have a Bible, you need to be doing a lot of underlining. Writing in it, that's what it's for. Highlighting. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, each of you, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And that's what I was going back to when I first started about forgiveness being, it's got to go from your head to your heart. That's where it's going to come from, from your heart. Trying to forgive, forgive someone from your head and reasoning it out, it'll never make sense. And you'll only forgive them for just a little while. And then it's kind of like this. One time I had uh, stitches. I've had a lot of stitches, by the way. But this one particular time I had stitches. And the lady, she said, keep the scab clean cleaned off. And I said, okay. Well, I thought that at a 19, 18, 19 years old, I was picking the scab off. I'd pick it off. It'd start to bleed again. So my sister-in-law, uh, Christy, is a nurse, and she saw it. She's like, good Lord. Like, it's been a month, and it's just like five or six stitches. It looks terrible. What have you been doing? I said, I've just been picking the scab off. Why? And I said, well, they told me to keep it cleaned off. She said, no, you don't pick it off. By, you clean it with some soap or something, some, you know, something like that. Well, I was goofball. I was picking the scab off. Well, you know what? That's what happens. Same thing. You go forgiving with your head. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. But then somebody starts talking about it, or perhaps you start talking about it, or something brings it to your remembrance, and you're just picking that scab off, and now you open up the wound, and it's bleeding again, and now you're all back to where you started. It's got to come from your heart. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm speaking from experience. Speaking from experience. says, don't forgive, and you're going to be tortured. Hand them over to the torturers. You know what? If I'm angry at Luke, and I'm a little angry at him. <laughs> we were at a wedding last night, and he come down here dressed with a kilt on, dancing around, threw some flowers in my face. And I couldn't do anything about it because I was conducting the wedding, so I had to stand there. Well, he's throwing flowers. All is all good fun. I'm not mad at him a bit. I'm just kidding. But if I was mad at him and I was in unforgiveness and I'm just mad and I'm thinking about it during the middle of the night, oh, what old Luke did to me, throw those flowers in my face, or he embarrassed me, or you know, whatever it is, whatever. He lied to me, stole from me, took my girlfriend, whatever it is. He's at home sleeping like a baby. He don't, even, he don't even care. Amen. I'm being tortured. Literally being tortured. And when you get into unforgiveness, you can look it up and study it. It don't even have to be a, uh, a Christian website. How unforgiveness is very unhealthy. It will make you sick. Medical studies show people get into unforgiveness and anger and all these different types of things like that uh, will make you sick. And anxiety and stress and worry and just a whole host of things and blood pressure and heart attacks and all these things. But it's more than just physical. Let me tell you, it can be an emotional thing as well. Absolutely. After a good event, after a good event, there's studies shown where somebody wins a medal, they win a prize, they win the lottery. That'd be, that'd be good, wouldn't it? 
something like that, something wonderful happens shortly thereafter that they experience a, a little bit of slight amount of depression. And the reason they, the studies show why they receive it is because the you ran out of your emotions. You outran them. The emotions couldn't keep up with it. You exhausted them. You spent them. And there has to be a process for them to catch up. In other words, you can get mad and it will emotionally drain you. It will affect you emotionally. In other words, I'm talking about something good. So for me, um, uh, I study during the week and talk to the Lord and pray and do my best to get prepared. But usually on Saturday night, Saturday evening, Saturday night, sometimes the middle of the night, very early on a Sunday morning, uh, I'm, 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 I'm in it. I mean, I'm, I'm like in the zone, in it. I don't want to be distracted. I'm trying my best to stay focused, and I want to always have a, a word for you. And in season, like the word, not a word, but the word. You understand? I can open this Bible and just start preaching anytime. That's not a problem. In fact, Seth, my son, asked me one question last night, something about the Bible, and 20 minutes later, I mean, I'm, I'm still going at it. He's probably thinking, yeah, I wish I'd never asked that. He's just trying to watch some ball on TV, but that's my favorite thing to talk about. I like it. I can do it in my living room. But what I'm talking about is um, I, I don't want to just come in here and just open it up and talk about it. I, I want to hear from the Lord and know that I'm going the right direction because I know that you're all... The reason I want to word in seasons is because you're all in a season, different seasons. You following me? So... I come in here Sunday, on a Sunday morning, and if I don't feel good, I feel good. When I get up here, I feel good. I feel great. I come up here with a fever. I come up here sick as a dog. I come up here with my elbow that just got ripped off like it was two years ago. I feel good. While I'm up here, I feel good. But as the day goes on into Sunday evening, they say Monday morning is a struggle for me. And it's not because it's Monday. You know the old saying, it's Monday. Doing good for a Monday. Monday's no different than Friday. You get your rear end out of the bed and go on to work. But for me, it is different emotionally. In other words, I, I, I'm spinning a little. I had to catch up. And you may not understand it, but it goes back to that anointing thing. In other words, uh, it, it has to catch up. It, it, it's hard to explain. But anyway, that's if something good happens. If something good happens. Now, how much worse is it on you emotionally if something bad happens? If an, a bad event happens in life, I hope you're picking up what I'm trying to lay down here. It leads to depression and, uh, you know, our bodies, our, our God didn't create us. We're not designed to be... Uh, repositories for anger. It's just not what we're, we're not designed to. We're, we're, not, some, we're not made up to be that. That's a load we weren't designed to carry. Amen? Amen. So, we need to, to leave it to Him. That's His job. To give it to Him, the Father. It's not up to, up to us to be in unforgiveness and determine whether somebody deserves... Um, our forgiveness or not. Amen. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, 26 verse, and we'll talk more about Matthew in just a moment, but it says, be angry and do not sin. Or if you grew up King James Version, you remember, be angry and sin not. 
Be angry and sin not. I've, I know that one well. I've heard it my whole life. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You know what? What that's doing is when you're angry and you get over into sin, you are giving the devil a foothold. And anger is okay. It's okay to get mad. You should get mad. There's some things that should make you mad. You should get mad. People are dying and going to hell, and I'm going to do something about it. It makes me mad that Satan's getting them. It makes me mad that little babies are getting murdered right there in their mother's room. It makes me mad. It makes me mad that Christians are getting drugged out on the street and shot and killed, stabbed, heads chopped off, no telling what's going on over there in those other countries, what's going on in Afghanistan. That makes me mad. It makes me angry. But it's, it's not that anger. That's good anger. But it's anger and sin not. I'm so mad, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede. Praise the Lord. Makes me so mad, I'm going to start inviting more people to church. I'm going to call and be checking on some folks and make sure they're doing good. Getting an update or whatever list goes on. Y'all following me? That's a good anger. But uh, when you get mad and then you get over into sin, you know what? That's not a good one. That's a bad one. And then you're walking off of, there's, there's a property line. It's God's property, and here's Satan's property, and here's the barbed wire fence. And when you cross over the barbed wire fence and you get off God's property and you're over here walking on Satan's property, you don't need to be over here rebuking him and telling him to leave. That's his land. You over on it. You over on it, yes. It's, it's redneck preaching with the best of them right here. You know, it is, is what it is, right? My mother told me, she said, you really need to start working on your grammar. Like, well, you just work on trying to get to church, and I'll work on my grammar. <laughs> so, did I say that? Oh, man, I did. Oh, Lord, forgive me. So anyway, when you're walking in hate, and you're walking in unforgiveness, you're, you're crossing out barbed wire fence. You're getting over there on some property you're not supposed to be on. You're trespassing. Amen. You need to stay over here in the sanctuary if you follow me. And uh, just because you do forgive someone, it doesn't make them right at all. I'm not saying it makes them right. They're still wrong. It doesn't make them right, but it makes you free. It makes you free. And that's one thing as a man, and some men don't struggle with this, but as an alpha male, it's a struggle. I've, hey, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want them to think that I think it's okay, that I'm okay with it, because I'm not okay with it. I still want to put you in a headlock kind of a thing. I don't want them to think that. Therefore, I'm going to hold on to this unforgiveness until they start thinking like I think, until they realize they're wrong. That ain't going to happen. I mean, it, it will be a very rare occasion. You might as well just, like, like I said to begin with, you are responsible for you. You are held accountable for you. And regardless of what they do, that shouldn't have no effect of what I do. I'm going to do what's right regardless if everybody else does wrong. Amen? It's for you. You know that God doesn't need your money. Do you think He does need your money? I don't need your money either. You know what tithing's for? It's not for God. It's not for me. It's for you. It is 100% for you. I want people to tithe because I want them to be blessed. Man, 
If you tithe versus not tithe, there's no comparison. You can't, you, there ain't no way you can make me not tithe. Uh-uh, no way. No, uh-uh, no way. I don't care. If you make $100 and your tithe is $10, 10%, giving that 10 is pretty easy. It's just $10, right? If you make 1000 well, now it's 100 That's a little more. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But now it's 10000 and I'm going to give 1000 Then you're like, I could do a lot with 1000 What if it's 100000 and now you have 10000 10000 I'm going to give 10000 Oh, I could really do a lot with that. The more you make, the harder it is to do it. I've seen, I've, I've noticed that. In other, words, in other words, if you have $10, what's a dollar? I've only got 10 anyway. I mean, what's, what's another dollar? But now, I mean, I made a half a million dollars this year. My tithe is $50,000. I could go down there and buy me a pretty nice pick-em-up truck for $50,000 or a car. That's when it's hard. But once again, it's not for God. It's for you. Same thing with forgiveness. It's harder the amount of forgiveness is harder, but it's not for them. It's not for God. It's for you. It's for you. Praise the Lord. Ushers, grab some buckets. Let's take up an offering real tithe. No, I'm kidding. I don't push that. I don't push that. I teach on tithes and offerings. That's between you and the Lord. There's drop boxes. Most people give online. I, don't, I ain't going to shove it in your face and make you do it. If you want to do it, you'll do it. I can't make you forgive anybody either if you want to do it. Unforgiveness, forgiving someone is not for them. It is 100% for you. It's to set you free. Amen? Get a hold of that. That's, 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 that's why God wants you to do it, because He doesn't want you to be to tortured. And I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. Like it's going to hurt them. And in some situations, I understand in a marriage... And, and there's unforgiveness in the home. It, great, it, it affects the marriage. And somebody may really be genuinely sorry and begging for you to forgive them, and you don't want to, and if you would, sure, it would help them. They would, they would, uh, it would help them a whole lot. But majority of the time, that's not the way it works. The majority of the time is you're in unforgiveness, and, and somebody else is at home sleeping well, and you're, you're the one tossing and turning. And holding on for unforgiveness, thinking you're going to hurt them is like this. It's like taking your big old bottle of, of cough syrup, but rather have cough syrup is full of poison, and you just want to get you out a little teaspoon every day and take any medicine, taking a little poison every day. Every day. And it's just slowly killing you. And it's just making you sick, thinking that it's going to hurt them. But you're the, really the one putting the poison in you. Drinking poison and thinking it's going to affect the other person. Amen? So 
Jackie asked me for, for a title, and I didn't have one, but I have a title. Here's the title, Be Selfish. Be Selfish. I'm going to give you permission to be selfish. When you leave church, they say, my pastor gave me permission to be selfish. Be selfish. Do yourself a favor. Be selfish and forgive. Amen. You forgive for you, not for them. Amen. In Luke, the 6th chapter, the 38th verse, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, to you, back to you. So in the same measure you forgive is the same measure you'll be forgiven, you could say. That man that came up, Peter said, uh, How many times do I deny him? I mean, how many times do I deny him? Eh? He did that as well. He said, how many times do I forgive Jesus? Seven times? Jesus said, no. Seven times 70. And then, uh, you know, you're just always forgiven. And Jesus, what he does is draws the curtains back. And I'll explain that in a moment. But we're looking at things from a, a natural level out here. And anyway, the 10,000 talents, a talent is... Um, if you look it up and study it, it's about $300,000 today. This man owed 10000 of those $300,000 talents. That's a great debt. If you look at the commentaries on it, it says somewhere between $10 million and $1 billion, and the others say it's actually incalculable. That it, Basically what it's saying is that we can't even calculate it. It is so much, you can't even calculate it. The amount is so much, you, can't even, you, you don't even know. It's a lot, billions, trillions perhaps. And the 100 denarii, a denarii, a 100 denarii, what that is is about three months' wages or $10,000. So he owed this man an incalculable amount, billions of dollars, but this other man only owed him $10,000. He's forgiven the billion dollars, but he's not going to turn around and forgive the man of the $10,000. And what that is is, Jesus is drawing a curtain back and going, there's a lot of hate in this world, and there's a lot of unforgiveness in this world. There's a lot of things that don't make sense in this world. That's how the world operates, is you forgave me, but I'm not going to forgive you. But he says, let me draw the curtain back, and I want to show you how the kingdom of heaven operates. And then he, he, he speaks his parable to him. In case you haven't noticed, you and I, we're the one that owed the billion. It's a, am I going to forgive them? Well, you have to stop and take a look at what you've been forgiven for. We're quick to forget what we've been forgiven for. We deserve hell. I've said it before. You know, something happens to somebody and we'll say, they just didn't deserve that. They just didn't deserve that. You know what? The reality is we all deserve way worse than that. Our sin, you know what we deserve? Hell. Which means anything that could happen to you on earth is better than you deserve. That's kind of hard. Kind of think that's not very nice, but it's the truth. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is better than you deserve because it's way better than hell. Hell is what we all deserve. Praise the Lord, it's the truth. And we live in a hate-filled world, and Jesus is saying, let me pull this curtain back, let me show you this is not how the kingdom of God operates. And you know, Peter asked, how many times do I forgive? Seven? He said, no, seven times 70. In other words, what he's saying is always, that we always forgive. 
Always, regardless of how many times. Evidently, somebody made Peter mad. Or he wouldn't have been asked. Evidently, somebody made Peter mad several times. Because he wouldn't have said seven. In other words, they were doing it repeat. They're a repeat offender. I've forgiven you once, twice, three times you're out. It's the anointing that I'm talking about. It's the Holy Spirit that will strengthen you to let that person who's offended you back into your life, knowing good and well that it's a highly probable that they'll offend you again. Psalms. I forgot to give you this one. I know this one's my fault. I'll, I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. In fact, I don't know. I may skip it. Y'all good with that? I know y'all are because y'all thinking if we skip it, then we get out earlier. No, we ain't skipping it. We're going to Psalms. <laughs> but you are going to get out earlier. Then somebody on the East Coast, or would it be the West Coast? Yeah, it'd be West, yeah. You'll get out earlier than them, don't worry. Where was I wanting to go? Psalms 103. One o three eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will uh, He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank goodness. Right? Amen. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. Now, the Father pities the children. Our, our sins, our, our Father, our sins have been as cast as far as the east is from the west. Right? And how he pities us, how he forgives us, how his grace extends to us, and how we give grace is how it will be given to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. In other words, how we forgive is how we'll be forgiven. We've gone over all those scriptures. I'm just trying to bring them to your remembrance here. But um, I would never do what they did. And they're a terrible person. They're a terrible person. I would never do what they did. That's just awful. Well, what what we do? Do you realize the most righteous man that's ever been on earth died of the most awful, worst death that anybody's ever died? And do you know why? Because of you and because of me. Because we put Jesus on the cross. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. Does us putting Jesus on the cross compare to what anybody's done to you? And how he showed compassion and he showed mercy and pity and extended grace is how we're supposed to send it. Just like, give it, extend it, just like the parable shows us. I mean, what we've been forgiven for is immeasurable. 
a billion compared to the $10,000. He's just painting a picture and showing us there how ridiculous of amount that it is. Y'all with me? We're quick to forget that. That's because we live here in the South. There's churches on every corner. And life's just easy and it's just too good. We live in, the, in, in America and we're free. You don't have to sneak around and go to church in fear of having your head chopped off. We got it good. We got it real good. We, and when you have it good, a lot of times you forget. And sometimes you get rich, you forget where you, you, you forget where you come from. And so that's what we don't need to forget is what we've been forgiven of, how much we've been forgiven. Amen. We owe the billion. And what else I get out of that scripture there is God loves the offender. That's still his child. You may not love him, and you may be mad at him, and you may want to strangle him. You may want to do some awful things to him, whatever it is. But it's still God's child, and he still loves him. Amen. Back when you were mean and ugly and nasty and offending people and all those things, God still loved you. Praise the Lord. And there's different levels of offense, and I understand that. There's some people that just do things that just frustrate you, and that's not that big of a deal. They move on past that pretty quick. There's some people that are a little more difficult, and, you know, you can just... Remind yourself of the word, and it's, it's, you move on pretty quick. But there's some things that are just very, very painful. Things that happen in life that are just straight up devastating. They just devastate you. And that's the ones that's tough to move on from. That's the ones that every time you think about it, it's like picking that scab off. That's the ones that, you know, you want to judge them. And... Uh, We justify and we label um, different levels of, I guess, the offense or different levels of how bad they hurt me or how, you know, how bad the devastation or how bad the pain is. And I asked Jackie to add this scripture. I think everybody can quote it, but John 3, 16, most popular scripture of the entirety of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever uh, believes in him, Shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever, whoever, well, the person who's offended you, you know what? That's a whoever. It's a whoever. God loves them. If, if your kids, if two of your children get into a fuss or a fight, and maybe you're sitting there looking at it and you can see which one's right and which one's wrong, that doesn't make you not love the one that's wrong. I still love them. I mean, sometimes the boys may, you know, uh, figure out who did this or who did that or who didn't take the garbage out or whatever it is. Well, I don't start disliking one of them because he's wrong. Right? Well, God's no different. You have to think about that. That person who it, that you may perhaps be angry at or in unforgiveness, no matter how terrible of a person it is, that is still God's unique creation. And he loves that person. Amen. He said, you feeding them and you giving them water and you giving them a blanket and you taking care of them and you forgiving them and you blessing them is like heaping burning coals on their head. That's not going to burn their head off. It's going to get them saved. 
I told you all that last week. You have to look at that person differently. You have to look at that person and say, if that person had the same relationship that I do with Jesus, and they knew the same Jesus that I knew, and they had the same peace and the same love of God in their heart that I did, there's no way they would be that mean and that ugly. Therefore, I'm not mad at them. I feel sorry for them. Because without Jesus, it's not a fun life. It's a miserable, it's, it, it's not good. In other words, I don't, I, don't, I don't create compassion. I keep pointing other like somebody's over there. I could just point y'all out and start talking to y'all specifically. But then you would think I was talking about you specifically and I'm not. That's why I'm pointing over there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, because see what happens is, you're like, did somebody tell him something? And nobody tell me anything. It's a permanent release. And I was talking about picking the scab off. That's kind of gross, but you, you reopen the wound. And see, uh, here's a thing about God and us, the difference, is we see the what, but we don't see the why. I see what they're doing, but I don't see why they're doing it. I don't see the root of it. I'm not the judge. God sees the why. He, he sees why. He sees what happened to them when they were a child. Or he sees whatever it is. He sees it. He sees things. He sees the why. He sees the what and the why. Amen. He's the judge. We're not the judge. And don't take it out of his hands because you know what? You're not qualified and I'm not qualified. None of us are qualified to be the judge. I was thinking um, this morning in my office about asking you this question. And uh, like right now, this second, right now, this second, has anything happened to you in the last 10 seconds that's made you mad? Anybody? Have I done anything to make you mad in the last 10 seconds? Five seconds, four, three, two, one, over. Okay. Well, if you are mad, I mean, it is possible. I make people mad, so, you know, I have to ask. If you are mad or if you're on unforgiveness, it's something that happened back there before you came today. In other words, it's in the past, and there's absolutely nothing you or anybody else can do to change it because it is just that. It's the past, and that's why the Word of God tells us not to be looking behind us when you're plowing, don't be looking behind you. When you're leaving Solomon and Gomorrah, don't be looking behind you. But be looking your head. Keep your eye on the mark, the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the real prize. Run the race with endurance. Don't be looking behind you. So if, if you are angry or mad, it's behind you. It's, you can't change it. I can't change what they said. I can't change how I reacted. None of it can't change it. But it can change you. I can't change the past, but the past can change the future. If you just dwell on it and you just keep living in that unforgiveness, it'll just torture you and it'll keep torturing you. That's why it says it's handing you over to the torturers. And say, I believe, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive every day, I forgive every day. But 
the hate can still be in there. That's why I say it's got to go from a head thing to a heart thing. And you know it's in a heart thing. The Word of God tells us to pray for them. And I can remember reading that scripture, and I can remember somebody telling me, pray for them, just pray for them. And I was so mad. I've been so mad before at, at, at some at people. I've been so mad. I mean mad, real mad, so mad that I scared myself mad. I'm talking about like a little bit out of control, like crazy guy on the news mad. Really? I had a Milwaukee box blade, and I carried it in my pocket with a fresh blade on it. I didn't use it for anything. I had it in there just in case. That's how mad I was. I'm telling you, mad, really mad, crazy mad. And I thought, pray for that person that I'm that mad at. The only thing I would pray for them is that I read their name in the obituary. I've been that mad before. I've been that mad. I'm just being transparent for you. I didn't say I was fit to be up here. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it happened last week. It, it's on back, back there a bit in the past. But I've been that mad before. I've been that upset. I, I mean, mad, really mad. And um, you don't have permission to be mad. You don't have permission to be hating people. You don't have permission to be in unforgiveness. The only person you have permission to be uh, mad at or to hate is the devil. That's it. You don't have permission to be hating on anybody. And like I said, forgiveness doesn't make them right. It sets you free. It will set you free. And you're walking around, look at it like this. A baby is in there in his mother's womb, and there's an abimical cord that's feeding the baby. But guess what? It cuts off, and now it's not being fed anymore. And your spirit's being fed. Your spirit's being fed, but when you choose to be in unforgiveness, it's just like cutting the biblical cord. It's just like cut it. It's like cutting it from your spirit being fed. Bless them, pray for them. See, when you begin to bless them and, and pray for them, like I said, it moves from your head to your heart. And uh, that's, that, that's, the struggle's real, isn't it? Pray for somebody who's hurt you that bad. I'm going to pray for them. What would I pray for them? That they, you know, eat some chocolate brownies with some x likes in them? I mean, what am I going to pray for them? One time I was upset with somebody. And Pastor Todd said, bake them a chocolate cake and take it to them if you have to. And I said, oh, I'll bake them a cake. <laughs> I sure will. Put the X likes in that one. That's what I was thinking. Thinking, y'all yeah, won't bake you a cake, all right? <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive me. But it's difficult. It's difficult. And um, <laughs> this is something that you can't do when you're trying to do it with your head. You, you, you got to do it with your heart. But anyway. What makes that easier is when I was pointing out the fact when you, when you look at that person and then you, you really begin to feel sorry for them because they're so cruel or they're, they're, they're so mean or they're so angry. You, you really feel sorry for them because they don't have that peace that surpasses all understanding. Man, they don't have that relationship with Christ like you do. 
and not even really sure if heaven's in their future. Man, I got to pray for this person to meet Jesus, the real Jesus, not the religious Jesus, but the real one. Praise the Lord. I, um, I was thinking, uh, you know, for me, and I'm going to tell this because it may help you. Some people are easily offended. When somebody flips you off in traffic or curses you, man, you mad. You're real mad. If they just do a little something to you, you are mad. Well, that don't really even bother me when things happen to me. I mean, sometimes I might get a little mad here or there, but I'm over it pretty quick, just really in a matter of seconds or minutes. Eh, no big deal. But when somebody hurts someone that I love, different, different game, game on. It's different for me. It's different for me. I'm a very, very, very protective person. If someone was to hurt anybody in my family like that, the kids and parents, you know what I'm talking about? Like somebody could talk ugly to you, but if they hurt your kid, now nah, it's different, right? It's different. If somebody hurts somebody you love, it's different. And um, that's, that's how I am. That's how I am. So I was thinking about uh, most people, maybe you've never listened to her, but you've heard of Joyce Meyer, Right? She's on TV, and she's, she, she does a, a fantastic job, fantastic job. I can't just, like, sit and listen to her all the time, but I still think she does a fantastic job, um, especially for women, and especially for women that's been through the things that she's been through. But she's married to a man named Dave. Now, Joyce Meyer, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but her father raped her approximately 200 times when she was a girl. The mom did nothing to stop it. So Joyce grew up a little angry and a little bitter and a little mad and in unforgiveness. I can see that. But then she forgave him. She forgave her dad. Said, she said, uh, I had to go re-listen to the story to make sure I got it correctly, but she said that uh, he was, her parents were living 300 miles away, and that was perfect. She didn't want him anywhere near her. But the Lord spoke to her and said, move your parents close to you. So she said, okay. So, so she started looking at houses, and she found an old fixture-upper. No, not that one. You buy them a nice house. All right, so she buys them a nice house. Anyway, long story short, she moves them in and takes care of them. A man who's raped her 200 times, and a mama didn't do nothing to stop it. Anyway, that goes to that scripture we were talking about. Guess what happened to her dad? Her dad apologized to her. Her, her dad asked for forgiveness. Her dad got saved. She baptized him. Then he, he, he went on to be with the Lord. Her forgiving him is absolutely a miracle. I look at that and think, wow, nothing like that has ever happened to me. But I always try to put myself in other people's place, their shoes, you understand? So I put myself in Dave's shoes. And I think to myself, if I was Dave, there wouldn't be no daddy to move home because I'd kill you. And I ain't kidding. I'm serious. That's what I was thinking. My first reaction is, you'd die. I'd be that mad because that's my wife. I mean, that was Joyce's, Dave's wife. And this man did that, something to her that affected her for years and years and years and years. So you hurt what I love more than anything, so I want to hurt you. That's what I would do if I was Dave. But the fact that Dave was in agreement with her, because it's his money too, and he was helping take care of him and cutting grass and do all these things. I mean, when, with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. I'm saying, 
Ain't nothing I've ever been through in my entire life that can compare to that. And I look at those two right there and think, man, that is an inspiration for everybody. And if they can get past that, then I can certainly get past the guy that cut me off in traffic or the girl that broke up with me or the guy that cheated on me or whatever it is that you're going through. Amen. Start to pray for them. It's going to be hard at first. Very, very, very hard to pray for your enemies. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that laborers will be sent across their paths. Pray for them. Pray for them. And something will start changing on the inside of you. They may never forgive you. They may never like you. They may never let you come over to their house again. They may never, they may never like you. It's not for them. It's for you. It's not for them. It's for you. It's to release you, to set you free. Amen. Y'all get something out of it? Well, good. That's not even what I was going to preach today. Seriously, it's not. I had something totally different. May preach it next week. Who knows? We'll see. The good Lord knows, doesn't he? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I said y'all going to get out early, man. I lied. Sorry. It's 12. Got to work on telling those lies, don't I? That's the only thing a preacher usually lies about is he says, this is my, I'm going to close with this. You know, you got to have like three or four closings, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just want you to, not just you, me, man, all of us, walk in the fullness and, and walk into everything that God's got for you. And unforgiveness will, will prevent that. You'll get going, and that chain, that slack will stretch tight, and you, you just can't go any further. You're just limited. Don't forgive them for them. Forgive them for you. Set yourself free. Do yourself a favor. Be selfish. Do something for yourself and forgive. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving us of such a great debt that we could never repay. And we know right now that it's our sins, our mistakes, our failures, all our iniquities that Jesus went to the cross. It's us that put him there. But he chose to go there and die for us so that we could be forgiven. Father, your word tells us to forgive others just like that, just like we've been forgiven. And Father, we thank you that we're not just doing it on our own and our own strength, but it's your Holy Spirit and it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that strengthens us and enables us and fills us with the love of God that enables us to, to do so. And Father, we just thank you for extending grace to us. And we're going to leave out today better than we came in. We're going to leave out today and we're going to pray for our enemies. We're going to leave out today and we're going to be salt and light in a tasteless, dark world. And we thank you and praise you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Well, enjoy your Labor Day. And what Labor Day means is go... 
whoever you work for and work 12 hours for free. Patrick's like, no. Okay. Anyway, see y'all next week. <laughs>